today I want to talk about Christ in you, the hope of glory. Um, and really, I just want to remind you, like, who you are um, in Jesus, what he's done for you, and actually what that could look like. What could it look like for, for Christ in you, the hope of glory, to come out of you? Um, and so I just really want to point you, just as a helpful thing to listen to, to um, Simon Parnham. Uh, did a, a message in July last year called Taking God Beyond Sunday. And if you haven't heard that, I would highly recommend it because it really dovetails well with what I'm going to speak about today. So I'm just going to share a few fun stories because it's really important for us to know what God is doing in lives around the planet as examples of, well, if they could do it, why can't I? So in 2014, a guy called Ben Fitzgerald, uh, he's an Australian, he um, was a pastor in Bethel, or was for a while, uh, was in a meeting where there was a prophetic word given um, about fiery revivalists being um, released into the German-speaking world, and um, about God visiting Nuremberg, and the prophetic word was about um, a soccer stadium being filled with uh, young people, and God turning um, around for good what the enemy meant for harm. So then fast forward uh, the year later, so uh, July 2015, and um, Ben Fitzgerald uh, formed Awakening Europe, put on an event in Nuremberg in the very stadium that Hitler used to speak in, and 27,000 people came together, worshipped Jesus. They saw thousands saved and many, many, many people healed. Um, since then, the German church has been radically changed and thousands of people have continued to get um, saved in Germany since. So then last year in Sweden, in Stockholm in Sweden, um, there was actually, I want to stand if you were there, just, I would really encourage you to talk to these people. I might even get them to pray for you later. Uh, there were five of us from Hope who uh, were out in Stockholm and uh, we gathered in a stadium with 14,000 other Christians. Uh, I just want to just give you a glimpse of uh, what that looks like. We're just going to watch a wee video. God marked me. Gud märkte mig. I'm only going to ask this one time. Jag kommer bara fråga en gång. If you, om du, are tired, är trött, sick and tired, trött of living, att leva, in hypocrisy, i hyckleri, get down here right now. Kom ner hit Come right på now. en gång. Kom på en gång. Come. Be born again. Du måste födas på nytt. So that you can find out. Så att du kan finna about this amazing dad. Don't be afraid of anybody's opinion. Give your life to the king. Give it live to God. 
gets you excited then uh, they're going to be in Prague in the Czech Republic this year and uh, I'll be there um, but do you know what happened to us when we went is that we just Jesus did something to our hearts as you watch people run down the front like we watched like this mum and dad and two kids run to get saved we watched like a dad and their kid run like hand in hand sprinting to get to know Jesus and watched like a person in a wheelchair with their you know like an automatic wheelchair like you know navigate themselves down to the front to come to know Jesus. So we went and outreached. There were 10,000 people on the streets of Stockholm. We were there. It was a lot of fun. Um, and you know that people are just open and hungry. As we went, um, we were on the train and we, we met a guy who was one of the security guards in the arena and his feet were really sore because he'd been standing all day. So we, we pray for him and the pain leaves his feet. And as we get off onto the platform, before we say goodbye to him, he gives his life to Jesus. And then one of the other girls in our team, as we're, you know, in the subway station on one of those travelators, she's speaking to this woman about Jesus on the travelator. And by the time they get off the end of the travelator, the woman has given her life to Jesus. And actually, we don't talk about it enough. Like, we, we hold it in and we think, oh, well, I'm not, it's not going to say anything. But everybody is hungry to hear. Like, they're ready and right. We see people saved on the streets of Glasgow all the time. The homeless in our city, most of them are believers. Because they've all been, like, they've all just been encountered by someone who's loved on them, told them who they are, and they just agree and are like, yes, this is who I am. I love Jesus and I'm going to go for it. Another person I want to talk about quickly is a guy called Jean-Luc Trechsel. He is a Swiss guy, French-speaking. And um, in 20, uh, sorry, 2003, um, he felt God speak to him about holding a healing conference and, and bringing people from other churches, doing a joint thing and bringing everyone together. They expected between five and 600 people to show up at this event. 4,000 people came to a healing conference. Um, and during this conference, there were two Catholic archbishops who knelt uh, before him at the end and said, we really need what you have. We need you to pray for us because we need revival in the Catholic Church. And he's thinking, no way, I'm not, I'm not praying for them. They're Catholics. And Holy Spirit said to him, who are you to tell me where I can move? So obviously he repented. 
he repented and uh, prayed for them. And they said to him at the end, you know, we needed what you have, but you need what we have. And we give you free access to the Catholic churches and cathedrals. Um, You have the key to the Catholic church. And so now he basically, he was in Paris um, and they were in the uh, Basilica of St. Joan of Arc Church, which seats 2,000 people. As he turns up, there are queues outside and he's thinking, why are people queuing? Surely they should like be there by now. And it's because the church was packed. There was no more space for anyone to go in. That night, 80% of the people in that room were saved for the first time ever because they'd never heard the gospel before. And then in in Nantes um, last year, 2,000 people in the meeting again, 70% of the people in the room ran to the front to get saved because they'd never heard the gospel before. This is Catholics and Catholic churches predominantly. And what he said is that actually he sees people, he sees thousands of people saved in Europe every month and that he sees more miracles happen in Europe than he's ever seen in Africa. So it has changed. This is, we're living in a different day. And then a guy called Andy Cannon, who is from Liverpool, he um, was, uh, you know, hooked into all sorts of different addictions. And he met Jesus in 2010, and um, he was completely set free uh, instantly. Um, He, last um, summer, they had an event called Jesus Loves. You might have seen me post about it on our Facebook page. And they went out on the streets um, before the event and during it. So out on the streets for two hours every day for 10 days. And they saw 153 people come to Jesus in one weekend. They saw 647 people come to Jesus in the 10 days. And in a six-week period, 800 people gave their lives to Jesus in Liverpool in Liverpool. And so I just want to mention, so I just, just really want to encourage you with stories. So I want to mention a few more people. We have someone in our family who uh, runs a preschool nursery. And because of God's favor and influence and the exemplary way that they have been running this nursery, they have been sought out and basically have been asked to um, train other nursery managers in the local um, like learning community. Um, So what does it look like for the kingdom to come in a nursery? Well, that's a place of peace where parents want to send their children um, because actually they are maxed out. They're at capacity because they can't can't take any more children. It's like everybody wants to send their kid there. And the children are just experiencing freedom and life. Uh, One child uh, who wasn't wasn't talking when they came to the nursery and just by being in that environment and, you know, having a bit of prayer, uh, they started to talk and the parents are completely amazed at what the transformation in this child's life. We also have uh, an amazing uh, criminologist in our family who is inputting um, the Scottish and European justice systems um, and actually being regularly sought out and inquired of um, for input and wisdom um, by key influencers in other nations um, and also by um, the media. Um, this person has been in the press and on radio Um, We also have a person in our family who is just a phenomenal mum who is equipping and raising up um, her kids to love Jesus. And just this week, her child led someone to Jesus in in school. And finally, um, we have the amazing Tim Quant, who 
Um, if you don't know, he's been um, making music since he was 16. He started a band um, as a solo project, actually. He started a solo project called Tongues. Um, and really wasn't seeing much happen, but he really felt God speak to him and say, I want you to keep going. Um, and what happened was he'd uh, published a few songs online to let one of his friends hear it. And um, he kind of left it on there and forgot to make it private again. And three days later, one of the largest uh, publishers of electronic dance music um, in the world picked the song up. Um, and basically, um, within, I think, a, a, well, I don't know how long, a few days or weeks, he'd had 6,000 plays on SoundCloud for his song. He then put the song on YouTube and it reached 10,000 uh, plays in a matter of a few weeks. A few months later, he released a song called Religion, which reached number one in something that's called Hype Machine, which is like the hipster version of the top 40. Um, then, then it featured on Spotify, um, and basically it has had, his song has had over one million plays. So if you add that with the rest of the music streaming platforms that he has, uh, add it together, he has had two million streams in total of his music. And he's in our family. He loves Jesus. And he's impacted two million people. That's like nearly half of the population of our country. Two million people. Two million people. Two million people. <laughs> um, and actually, you know, he's played Teen the Park. They've been in universities and, and travel all over the nation. And he's been chatting, I believe, to some major labels in London. So who knows what's going to happen. Do pray for him. So what do all these stories have in common? Well, each of these people that I mentioned, they know who they are. They have given their yes to God. They understand their purpose and they have allowed him to position them where he wants them to be so that they can have influence and impact individual people, cities and nations. Um, and I actually know there are other people in our family, if I haven't mentioned you, I know right now of three people who are planning to open shops um, and obviously there's the amazing Ben Monteith uh, had like Busker of the Year Award and the Wandering Sons have uh, just been on the BBC News. So there, if I didn't talk about you, I would love to hear your story. So please tell me or post it on our family Facebook page because there is a lot of amazing things happening here. Um, so Jesus is the one who said, I will build my church. He's building it. Our job is to seek first the kingdom. And it's really important, actually, that we have a kingdom-first mentality and not a church-first mentality. And what I mean by that, so I think Pete Carter in his book, Unwrapping Lazarus, which is an amazing book if you haven't read it, he explains that actually if you place, um, by placing the kingdom, by placing the church inside the kingdom doesn't reduce it um, or make it any less than, but actually it puts it in a healthy um, context where actually the church grows and develops within the kingdom. It's not it's not, you know, that the church is more important. Actually, it's kingdom first, so to seek first the kingdom. So our, our mission in, in our family, which I hope you know, because um, we post it on all sorts of different, um, you know, um, places and paperwork, etc., is that we're a family transforming people, families, churches, cities, and nations with experiences of God's goodness until earth looks like heaven. And so what is that going to look like? Well, God's kingdom which has, and heaven is like his presence and his activity. Um, actually, what, what that's going to look like is that we're going to be um, seeing love, joy, peace, health, justice, all the amazing things that are in heaven and that are his kingdom. That's what's going to be 
impacting our world. Um, obviously salvation, abundant supply, because there's like tons of resources in heaven, um, tons of freedom, because that's like, you know, heaven is just free. Um, and actually, that is what my expectation is for our world, that that is how it's going to be impacted. So the arts and media and business and um, education and the health system and everything is going to be impacted with all of those aspects of heaven invading the earth. Um, and so Habakkuk 2, 14, I love this. It says, for the earth will be filled with the knowledge, which is the yada, the experiential knowing of the glory of the Lord as the waters cover the sea. And how is that going to happen? Through you. And Revelation eleven fifteen says, the kingdom of the world has become the kingdom of our Lord and of his Christ, and he shall reign forever and ever. And Jesus told us, I've said this already, to seek first the kingdom. So we're royalty, we're Christ's ambassadors, and we're kingdom releasers. And actually the aim, the whole point is for the kingdom to come. Isaiah 60, verse 3, nations will come to your light and kings to the brightness of your dawn. So we, we are the light of the world. Jesus told us that actually that, that's what we are now. And we actually, our job is to introduce people to the king. Such a fun thing to do. Um, what I love, uh, one of the things that Martin Luther, um, one of his quotes that I love, um, he says that we need to hear the gospel every day because we forget it every day. And so I, in my phone, I, I was in a meeting where the gospel was being preached and a feather fell in the room, quite a big one, and it landed on my feet. And so I thought, actually, this will be, you know, like the Israelites always like would put an altar to the Lord and they build stones. So I took it and in my phone cover, I've got like a bit for your photo. So now I have the feather in there. So every time I open my phone cover, I'm just reminded of who I am. So I just encourage you, like, what is the thing that's going to help you remember who you are? Get a wee memento or a wee memory thing that's going to be your, you know, stone stacked that's going to actually help you remember who you are. It's so important that we know that we are, like, that the old me is dead. Like, I, I somehow don't, this messes with my head, so I try not to think about it too much. But somehow, I was co, so jointly or to the same degree, crucified with Jesus. Meaning that when he died on the tree, Although I wasn't yet born on the earth, I died on that tree too with him. And basically, that means that I was united with him in his death. And then when he, was, he rose again, I was raised as well. Then I was born on the earth after that. And all I did was line up with what had already happened pre my birth on the earth, but I already existed. And so the kind of messes with your head, but we actually are joined to Jesus. That um, our, our, the old me, the, the person who, who didn't used to know who I was or who Jesus is, like that person is just not even, doesn't exist. Like she's dead. She drowned in the waters of baptism. She's completely dead and I don't want anything to do with her anymore. And so I just would really want to remind you actually that, actually, do you know what I would do? Read Romans 6 and read it 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 until you cannot help but be like, oh, I am like joined to Jesus. I am in union with him. The old me is completely dead. I'm raised to life. I'm this new, phenomenal, wonderful person. I talk about myself being about, I'm a, I am a new breed. Actually, that the world has not seen who you are before. You are like this new amazing person who is full of Holy Spirit, who is like, do you know that Jesus didn't come into the world so that you could um, actually, that you, he would be the, an example of like, 
you know, like, here's me, I'm awesome, look at what I can do. He came to show you what you could do. And actually, the whole point of our, our existence on planet Earth is to show everybody who Jesus is and point them to the Father. And so actually, we really need to get this. Like, if you have battle in your mind of, oh, who am I? I'm feeling a bit rubbish, whatever. Honestly, Romans 6, I just would encourage you to park yourself there for a year until you believe this. Um, and <laughs> do you know that every one of Paul's letters, he's all hammers at home. Actually, there's another thing. Listen to all of them in a winner or read them all at once. Every letter, you're, you're dead. You're dead. You are dead. You are not your own. You're bought at a price. You're not your own. You're bought at a price. It's no longer you that lives. It's Jesus that lives in you. Actually, you are, you're Jesus. You just have skin that, that is you. It's your skin. Jesus lives in you. And actually, what would happen if we started to actually manifest the truth of who we really are, that we are blameless, that we're glorious, that we are perfect, that you're actually joined to Jesus, that you, you are his body on planet earth, like you are. We are his body on planet earth, and you're the light of the world. There's no darkness in you. What would actually happen if you really believe that? You need to think about that. <laughs> so one of the reasons that we talk about identity so much is because it is like the most important thing that we could grasp. So if, you, if that's all we talk about and that you think, um, here we go, more identity. Yes, more identity. Because we need to line up with it. I need to be reminded on a daily basis of who I am. I am the light of the world. When I step into a room, if there's any demons there, they need to be running out of that place petrified. When I turn up in a room, if there's any sickness in that room, it needs to flee and just like dissolve and leave people's bodies. Do you know, like... What are actually our expectations of when we go about the world? Like, actually, if we know who we are, our expectation is darkness can't stay, sickness can't stay, confusion can't stay, because I am joined to the Prince of Peace. So why would peace not just happen in the room? Because I am in the room. <sighs> so it's really important. It is so important that we know who we are, because actually, because we don't what we want to... It's so that we don't constantly try to do in order to be. We need to learn to be in order to do. I do things because I know who I am and because I'm so full of God's love that I can't help myself. When you love someone, you're desperate to like do things that's really nice for them or help them or whatever it is as an expression just to, you're like, oh, I want to, I want to like get you a cup of tea because I just, I'm like, oh, I love you. You're amazing. Well, you know, so actually doing like Paul was wrote to the Galatians and he's like who you foolish Galatians who has bewitched you actually like why are you trying to add to the gospel why are you trying to add to what Jesus did like I've, I've term I've heard recently which I'm just employing is let's not have any charismatic voodoo doo-doo we don't need to do anything actually the the only thing that we are you know that Jesus he fulfilled like 613 laws and the 10 commandments fill, fulfilled by him the only commandments we have, love God and love our neighbor as ourself. And the only thing we're told that we start to strive to do, the only striving we need to be doing is to strive to rest. Hebrews 4, strive to rest. So being one with Jesus, actually, there's a twofold reason. Firstly, he chose me for his enjoyment. It was the, I was the joy that was set before him at the cross. He wants an intimate love relationship with you. Songs of Solomon 4, 7, you are altogether beautiful, my love, there is no flaw in you. 
and 49. You have, you have captivated my heart, my sister, my bride. You have captivated my heart with one glance of your eyes. He absolutely delights in you. Isaiah 62, 5. As a man rejoices over his new wife, so your God will rejoice over you. You are absolutely loved and delighted in. That is the main reason Jesus wanted you. For, for enjoyment, for a love relationship. That is the first important thing. John Piper says this, God is most glorified in you when you're most satisfied in him. But actually, have you understood how much he really loves you and enjoys you? And do you, actually, is he the only one that satisfies you? And a byproduct of our intimate relationship with Jesus is that we bear fruit. Romans 7, 4, you also have died to the law through the body of Christ so that you may belong to another, to him has been, who has been raised from the dead in order that we may bear fruit for God. Do you know, we speak a lot in our family about our city being impacted by our corporate worship and about hosting his presence. Um, and it has been. We know that it has. We, we've seen the statistics that have shifted. And we know that there are other awesome, you know, believers in this city worshiping God. And our city is changing. I love looking for the good news stories about Glasgow and all of the amazing things that are happening to you know, amazing Hollywood films coming here because it's a phenomenal place or whatever it is. There's a big list. If you want them, ask me. I have them. I save them because I like to read them. Um, but actually, and we love, I love the thought of like hosting God's presence and, and Holy Spirit pouring out in this place like Pentecost and the car park, people just running to the noise or our building being aflame like at Azusa Street. I'm totally up for that. Totally up for that sign and wonder and people coming. But the thing is, most of the time, people are not coming into this church family who don't believe in Jesus. And actually, that, is, that wasn't the point. The point is not to fill this for us. And we have that wrong idea of trying to get them in. Actually, we need to go out. Um, and so I'm totally up for signs and wonders. Um, absolutely. And hosting his presence. And you know, Andy uh, Merrick talked recently on beliefs and mindsets that change cities. And absolutely, yes. Because if we, do you know that the, the thoughts in our head, that the biggest thing, like stopping God moving, um, and the biggest like stronghold actually stopping him moving are the lies that we believe in our head. Not demonic strongholds, but what goes on in our heads is the biggest like stronghold in stopping God moving. So it is so important that we intentionally change the way what he thinks. That actually is the highest level of spiritual warfare. So I love speaking blessings over our city and seeing phenomenal things happen, happen. But I just want to touch on five things briefly today that actually I feel like we have missed or not seen. I'm not going to try and unpack them in any depth for time's sake. But five things that I feel like we have sometimes missed that are ways that we can see heaven invade the earth and where we can see Christ in us, the hope of glory, happen. So first of all... Um, the first one, one of the things that happened in the 60s and 70s, particularly in America um, and a wee bit in the UK, but actually the Jesus movement happened and people got so excited about Jesus that actually um, they were convinced he was coming back any day and they completely abdicated um, positions in society. And what that meant was that um, unbelievers filled the void. And so lawyers, CEOs of big companies, you know, top professionals of Fortune 500 companies, how many of them are born again believers? I don't currently know any, but that I'm, let me know if you do. 
Um, and actually, it's, the ultimate goal is not to remove ourselves from the marketplace. Luke 9, 13, the parable of the 10 miners. The word, in the, I love this, in the King James Version, Jesus said this to them in the parable, occupy until I come. And the word occupy in the Greek means do business or trade. So fascinatingly as well, in that parable, the reward for investing what they were given was governing cities. And I believe that one of the ways we're going to see God move and sweep through this nation is actually when, when men and women of God will actually be willing to be who they fully are in their workplace. Um, 1 Corinthians 10, 31, Therefore, whatever you eat or drink, whatever you do, do all for the glory of God. So everything we do can glorify God. Colossians 3, 17, Whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus. And verse 23 to 24, whatever you do, work at it with all of your heart as if working for the Lord, not for men. And so actually, I get to minister unto the Lord in everything I do, which means when I'm in my engineering company 37 and a half hours a week, I minister unto the Lord. When I'm in the gym at the weekend or in the evening, I minister as unto the Lord. So actually, I am in full-time ministry because I minister to him. <laughs> There's a, just a wee sacred cow which will kill. And so actually, um, I, in my environment, I, we have peace and joy and health in my workplace because I'm there. If anyone is sick, they get healed because I, I'm like quick on it. And like sometimes they're like, oh, I don't want to get healed. They're just like, leave me alone. But I'm just like, no, I'm not going to have you sick when I'm here because that's rubbish. And you know, I was in a meeting uh, just this week with the two directors of my company. We're a small business. Sometimes that means that, you know, we're challenged financially with cash flow. And I sat with my directors and I said, do you know, it is a miracle that we are still here. And if it were not for me praying and God intervening, we would not be here today. And they sat quietly and just sort of smiled and nodded without, because they know, they know that we're living a miracle and that God is the one in charge. Um, and so they are getting to see God's hand at work over and over and over. As I lay hands on the screen, call the money in, it appears. As I declare something, uh, like my boss wanted someone to phone him, I declared it, the phone rang, the person had called him. You know, like we are in union with Jesus and we are there to display God to whatever, wherever we are. I'm in full-time ministry. So I just want to, I want to like... I want to apologize to you. If you. There's two things I want to say. One is, if you have ever had a message that actually there's something superior somehow about working for a church organization instead of having a job in the work, workplace, I am so sorry that you've been on the receiving end of that because it's a lot of nonsense. There is no divide. There's no sacred or secular. There is us as believers who love Jesus, who gets to happen and live a supernatural lifestyle wherever you are. But on the flip side, actually, on the flip side, what can happen is that if you are in the workplace, in the marketplace, sometimes we can get into thinking, oh, well, I'm not going to lay hands on the sick. I'm not going to cast out the demon. I'm not going to do any of that stuff because actually... That's the job of the person who works full-time for the church, not my job. Neither of those attitudes are helpful at all. Total stinking thinking, and we need to get rid of it. Um, and so what I love, I love that Jesus was a carpenter in the marketplace until he was 30. I'm like, come on, Jesus, love that. Love that that's what he did. Love that actually, you know, he, when you look at like his public appearances, like 132 of them, uh, of his public appearances, 
so he, sorry, he appeared 132 times. Of them, 122 were in the marketplace. He was out healing the sick, like around about, and preaching the gospel around about. It wasn't. He was rarely, you know, we go to the synagogue and stuff. But I mean, it was just more of a bit of a hassle, to be honest, because he had to keep explaining himself to them. Um, and then you've got Lydia in the New Testament, awesome, like you know purple cloth businesswoman who like had believers meet in her home then Aquila and Priscilla like tent makers who were in business with Paul and so we need Christians in every sphere of society so actually you know you need to hear this your workplace is ripe for an invasion of heaven because you're there because the light of the world is in that place so why are people not going to be healed and set free and everything will change in their life because you're there so really need to know who you are so important uh, secondly, um, prayer. Um, I believe that we are going to see our city and our nation impacted through prayer. But actually, we un- understand who we are. Because when I pray from heaven to earth, that is very different than me pleading and begging from earth, God, do something, do something. Actually, I'm in heaven. I get to release all of the goodies of heaven, the, the health, the life, the freedom, the resources, the money, I've been up and got some cash, brought it back down, and then it manifested in my bank account. Do you know, we get unfair advantage. It's just really great. So great. So praying, so important, because actually we get to co-create with Father God and release um, on earth what's in heaven. Psalm 103, 20. Bless the Lord, O you his angels, you mighty ones who do his word, obeying the voice of his word. So angels get commissioned to carry out God's word by him directly. But actually... The other thing that happens is that as, as we speak out and we pray things, and as angels hear and recognize that out of our mouths, that that is basically, we're speaking a word that had its origins in the heart of the Father. They're like, ooh, that's my assignment. Ooh, ooh, and off they go. So actually, angels get dispatched as we pray. And um, the other thing as well is the Bible tells us that it's the angels that are the harvesters. Not us. Angels or harvesters. Uh, on the 23rd of September in 1857 in New York, Jeremiah Lanfear held a prayer meeting at noon for businessmen and six people turned up. The following week, there were 40 people. So this was September 23rd. By the beginning of October, they'd started a daily prayer meeting instead of a weekly one. Within six months, 10,000 businessmen were gathering daily for prayer in New York. By May the following year, 50,000 of New York's 800,000 population were new converts. Similar prayer meetings spread across the U.S. and revival broke out across the nation. Within two years, one million people had come to Jesus and had been added to the American churches. And at least one million people in church had recommitted their lives to Jesus. And there's one account that tells of a European cargo ship um, that basically, as it reached the dock, um, or sorry, as it, it came into the harbour, um, it was boarded by the harbour pilot, who um, was a Christian, and as he guided the ship um, into port, he told the captain and all of the crew what had been happening in the city. The presence of God falls, there's a hush and an awe, and every one of those people on that boat gives their life to Jesus. <laughs> so prayer is absolutely vital if we want to see our nation and our city transformed. Don't forget Acts 4.31, where they prayed and the place that they met was shaken and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and spoke the word of God boldly. 
If you read any books on the history of revival, all of the moves of God started with people praying. And so, on that note, two weeks today, we're going to be starting Hope Church family uh, evening prayer meetings. Uh, starting again, we did it back in the day. It's just not happened for a while. And so, Sunday night prayer meetings every fortnight. So, more information coming soon. It will be at standard Christian time, 7.30. <laughs> uh, the third thing is wisdom. Um, we're encouraged to ask for wisdom in the Bible if any of us lack it, and it will be given, James 1. Um, and actually, the more that we embrace wisdom, like true divine wisdom, the more that what you think and what you see is going to be needed uh, by people around you, and they're going to be discipled. Um, I love that Bill Johnson, he defines wisdom as creativity, excellence, and integrity. Love that. And Solomon, amazing man. Go and read about him. He basically asked for knowledge and he had wisdom, wisdom and knowledge and a dream with God. And basically what happens, like Solomon, like I heard recently someone say that they kind of worked out like how much would he have been worth? And he was worth around about $1.3 trillion dollars. Because bear in mind that there was so much gold uh, in Jerusalem that silver became as common as stones in the ground. And when the Queen of Sheba visited, she was so blown away and stunned by what she, by the way that the food was, by the servants' clothing, by the way that they laid out the table, by the steps up to the temple, that she was basically, she praised God when she saw all of this. Um, and actually, what is it that causes kings of the earth to go and to sit at the feet of Solomon? Well, actually, because kings, they're normally kings, if you think about them. They're all about protection, about pleasure, and about longevity. And actually, what causes a king to want to go and sit at feet? Because actually, in every leader, in every person who's any CEO or person in a position of authority in, in business or whatever, within every leader, there is just a desire for wisdom. They want wisdom. People want wisdom. And so actually... If we ask for wisdom to increase in our life, we need to be ready to be, we need to expect to be surprised about who will stand in front of us. Um, fourthly, personal blessing. Psalm 67, 1 to 2. God, be gracious to us and bless us and cause his face to shine upon us that your way may be known on the earth, your salvation among all nations. We need to pray for a blessing. Why? Because actually, to not pray for a blessing is really just a bit daft. Um, because the truth is, I don't have enough money to do all of the impossible things that it requires to go into all, like, disciple, go into all the world, preach the gospel, raise the dead, heal the sick, disciple nations. We need some cash to do that, actually. Uh, I love what Todd White says. He basically, sorry, just another thing. And the thing about bless me, that would be like saying financially prosper me so that your salvation is, is known among the nations. Todd White, I love what he um, does. He basically, he won't go out for a meal until he knows that he's able to pay a tip that is the same value as the price of the food bill. Why? Because he wants people to know that his father is good. And so actually, it's the kindness of God that leads people to repentance. So what is it about my life that would, that would cause someone to actually want to know who Father God is? I believe actually there's going to be lessons that we'll learn in handling a blessed life correctly that will allow us to learn how to disciple nations. Now, I'm still learning. I'm not uh, there yet. So, you know, let me know if you, you know, get a heads up on what that's going to look like. And, but actually, 
while I am learning, what that looks like is I love sowing and reaping. It's one of the most fun things you can do because you can never outgive God. And it is, I love to, I just call it, I call it redistributing the wealth because it's all his money anyway. And so it just gets moved around. It's just, it's just really fun. And then it all keeps coming back and like you just get more than you could have ever imagined. So fun. Um, and so Jesus actually in Mark 10 uh, talks about um, people who've left everything for him, left family members for the sake of the gospel, that they will, they will receive a hundred times what they left. Could you imagine like, what would that look like for you to receive, to give stuff up for God and then receive a hundred times? Are we ready for what that's going to look like? I know that there are people in our family who feel like they've got words over their life or God's spoken to them about making millions. Brilliant. That will be phenomenal. Why? Because they're going to be sought out and inquired of. People who are like billionaires and millionaires always get asked about all sorts of things. So they're going to have an opportunity to influence nations and disciple them as they just use their wisdom that God's given them and they are who they are. Um, and so there'll be an opportunity for them to bring like solutions to problems on earth or resource people who've got the idea of what to do. Um, and lastly, we're, I know we're a wee bit over time, so um, bear with me. Lastly, going out. This is definitely not the least, because going out transforms a city. I love going out on the streets. I love uh, doing that. We do it as part of our supernatural school. But for me, it's part of my life. My going out, when I'm in a restaurant, I prophesy over the waitress. When I, I'm on an airplane, I get the person next to me healed. When I'm in the gym, when I'm in the sauna, pray for people. I, get, I have a like, nickname. I got introduced in my gym as, this is Healing Hands Jan. But basically, like, our lifestyle should be one where we just get people healed, prophesy over them, tell them who they are, lead them to Jesus, and that they just encounter the love of God. Actually, that, that we are so in love with him that it just pours out of us. Um, and so I want to see people like completely saved, restored. So I, the other thing I do is, it's like that thing of you could get so filled with God and we're meant to be rivers of living water that flow. Do we really want to put like a big log across our river so that a dam is built and then the, it starts to form a pool which stagnates? Not me. I, actually, because the more you give, the more you get. And actually, I, I need to grow in my, I want to raise the dead. I want to walk on water. But I need to, I want to keep give, give, giving so that I keep receiving, receiving, receiving. And so um, it's really important that actually, we, I was um, at Robbie Dawkins yesterday and he said that we really need to get on the offensive with the enemy. Actually, that Jesus came to um, set people free and destroy the works of the devil. And that's now the baton has been passed to us and it is our job. And actually, we're going to see more happen out there than we're going to see in here. But when we go out, we get impacted. We, like, the more you go out, our family's going to benefit. We're going to see people healed instantly in here because we've gone out there and saw people healed instantly and our faith has grown and our river flowing through us has become this giant torrent and we can't control it. And you walk into the church meeting and you're just instantly healed because actually it's changed in here because of what we've done outside. And so what he does, this is what he does in his family. He's got six uh, boys. Uh, when he got sick at Soul Survivor last year, he texted his sons and said, I'm sick you know what to do or something like that. And what they basically have this family motto, which is towards the enemy. If you touch one of us, we're go it's going to cost you three. 
And what they do is if they get sick or something happens to them, so he, he got a text message from his son saying, we're on our way to A&E right now. They go into A&E and they're three. They want three people either healed, saved, or delivered from demons because they're like, if the enemy is going to touch my dad, haha, we're going to get three out of your kingdom and bring them into the kingdom of light. And actually, within 20, they went to the A&E, within 20 minutes, all of his symptoms left. Because actually, he's like, we're not having the enemy mess with us. And if he's going to try it, we're going to mess with him. And actually, we've been so, oh, the devil, the devil. Who cares? He's scared of us. He's like, what I love is like, here's the image. He is like a wee cat, not a big lion. And he is a toothless wonder that tries to gum us. He just needs to be kicked out of the way. He's annoying. And actually, we have got power and authority. But we need to use it. Enough of us just staying in the same four walls of the church. What are we doing out there? Because there actually, there is a, a world out there that needs to hear about the good news of the gospel. That there is a good news of great joy. They can be set free from sin and sickness and all of the nonsense that goes on in their heads. And actually, the thing is, we get into this, oh, well, you know, I'm waiting for a word from the Lord or whatever. Do you really think that there's anyone on planet Earth that Father God is not working with right now? So Jesus said, only do what I see my Father doing. He's doing stuff with everyone. So that means you have a green light any place, any time with any person. They're a legal target for God's goodness because they are his children. And it's our job. That's why we're here. We actually, he put, the reason you are born again is so that other people can know about how good he is, that you enjoy Jesus and that you bear fruit. So all of heaven is actually waiting for people who will pray, our Father in heaven, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven, and actually believe it, and actually realize that he's going to go, he's going to use you to do it. It's not about me, it's about you. Actually, you need to release heaven where you are. I'll release it where I am. And the other thing is this, I love worship, huge fan, I love it. But we are going to have worship God for all eternity in heaven. I love hanging out with other believers, but I'm going to hang out with you for all eternity. What we really need is like the people that are, that are not yet going to be hanging out with us. And we have to go and tell them about Jesus. Um, and so it's really important. Christ is in us the hope of glory for a reason. Because we have got answers, solutions. We've got wisdom. We can pray people into the kingdom. We've got light, life and health and peace. And we're joined to Jesus. And he has got all the answers for everything. It's some Sunday school answer. Jesus, answer for everything. We have him. We're joined to him. We are him. And so what are we doing about it, actually? Are you... Do you know what? I heard this recently, which I love, and I'm just going to hit you with it, and then we're going to pray. We've been given the great commission, not the great suggestion. <laughs> so what are you actually waiting for? Do you want to stand? Why don't you put your hand on your heart? Yeah, Father... I thank you that you saved us and you brought us into the kingdom of light from the kingdom of darkness so that we could bring others into this amazing kingdom. Ah. Jesus, I thank you that we're joined to you. Thank you that we are the light of the world, that we are peace because you are the Prince of Peace and we're joined to you. And that you are healing, which means we are healing. I thank you that wherever we go, we get to displace darkness because we are light and light, darkness can't remain where light turns up. And so I just want to pray right now, Holy Spirit, will you solidify and seal inside each and every one of us who we really are 
And that even this week, as actually we've been in this environment where actually church is a center to equip us to go out, that you would put people across our path. I just want to pray, Holy Spirit, will you set us up? Will you put people across our path and engineer divine appointments so that we have to do something? And I just pray for just, I just want to release to you courage and boldness. Uh, I just release to you all the courage and boldness I have uh, that you actually get to go and be who you really are in whatever environment God's placed you. And so that we can see um, nations one for Jesus and we get to disciple them and see people, cities, churches, families, and nations transformed with experiences of God's goodness until earth looks like heaven. Father, that is what we're here for. And I just want to pray that you will do whatever is necessary in our lives to shake us, to shift us, to give us a good kick if we need it, um, so that we're ready to be you, Jesus, to every person that we meet uh, throughout our week. Amen.